So you can do without a lot of things, folks, but you can't do without your daily time with God. That's how you abide in the vine. He that abides in me and my word abides in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. The Bible promises that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. This is the gist of today's message out of the Song of Solomon. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, taken from the incredible Old Testament poem, The Song of Solomon. We ended last time with the Shulamite, who is a picture of the church, having endured an all-out campaign of seduction on the part of Solomon, who is a type of the tempter. In spite of the tempter's strongest efforts, the Shulamite remained resolute in her loyalty to the shepherd, her beloved. This was a new experience for Solomon. He had fawned and flattered. He had drawn from his deepest resources to win her over. It had gone on and on. Only once had the Shulamite been able to interrupt him long enough to tell him it was all an accident. She had never intended to put herself where he could tamper with her. But now it was her turn. The tempter had stopped at last and had no more to say. The appeal to flattery was over. Now today we're going to see the application of firmness in the Shulamite's fidelity. As we look at her, let's allow it to strengthen our own firmness and fidelity to our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. So let's go right to part two of the message, an hour of testing. Notice that she says, in lieu of her wedding day, she has been storing up things new and old for her beloved. Her love for him has been there for a long time. Do you see what she's saying? I have stored things up for the person I'm going to marry. New and old. In other words, when that person comes along, they're going to get things for me no one else has. That's what she's saying. I've been waiting for the one. And when that happens, I've been storing things up. And nobody has accessed them. Nobody has gotten them. And no one will until I'm married. That's what she's saying. Now, what about us, the church? What can we give the Lord? He has everything, right? I mean, God has everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's very God. He's deity. What can we possibly give to the Lord that he doesn't have? If this Shulamite had stored things up for her beloved, don't forget she's a picture of the church that is waiting to be finally married at the wedding supper, marriage supper of the Lamb. And so what can we store up for our beloved, the great shepherd, in glory. What can we store up? What, do, what can we give him that he doesn't have? We can give him two things that he's going to prize beyond anything else. Are you ready? We can give him the fervor of our love and the fruit 
of our life. That's what we can give the shepherd. On that great day when we see him face to face, we can say, Lord, I didn't lose my first love for you. I stayed in love with you. I kept my love for you. I didn't allow myself to get seduced by the Solomons of this world. I didn't allow myself to be pulled away by the lure of the court women. I didn't allow myself to be talked into another love. But I stayed true to you. Church, let me tell you, Jesus is near. He is at the door. And when he comes to get his bride, don't you want to be able to say to him, Lord, I stayed in love with you. I kept my love burning for you. I did not allow myself to be seduced away. I saw other people backslide. I saw whole denominations walk away from you and your word, but I didn't do it. I kept my heart. I stayed in the word. I stayed in prayer. I stayed in church. I stayed in fellowship. And I said no to the tempter, and I did my very best to walk with you. Now, Lord, here, let me give you what I, both new and old, what I have stored up for you. Here's my love, and here's the fruit of my life. Guess what? I live my life for you. You know, I can look back. When I was 18 years old, I started preaching. I'm much older than that now. (laughs) And through thick and thin and lots of ups and downs and many severe attacks, I still stand here tonight by the grace of God, loving Jesus because he first loved me. And I can look at the vast majority of my life has been given to serve him. Now, I'm not bragging on me because, listen, if he hadn't touched me, I can't even imagine where I would be today. But because he touched me, the vast majority of my life on earth has been serving him. I can't remember not preaching. I can't remember not ministering to people. I'll say it, 42 years. (laughs) Something else. And, uh, and I lived it for him. And see, everybody needs to be able to say, Lord, once I knew who you were, once you were in my life, not only did I love you, but I also can point to the fruit of my life. I can point to people who I have ministered to, to things I have done for your glory. I can point to this point and this area and that area and this time and that time where, Lord, the fruit of my life is to your glory. Jesus talked about that rich man who spent his whole life living for himself. And then he thought he was going to retire and go play golf for the rest of his years. He said, you've done well, my soul, go and live the way you want. You've got plenty of money, plenty of grain, plenty of granaries, all stored up. You've got enough to live on for years. Now go live life. Go live for yourself. And the Bible says, Jesus said, that night his soul was required of him. And do you know that he's the only person in the Bible Jesus called a fool? Why? He said, you weren't rich toward God. This life is a blink in between two eternities. But it's the only time we've got to rack up rewards, to serve the Lord, to prepare for eternity. And you're wise if the fruit of your life is to the glory of God once you've known him. So this Shulamite could say, you know, you got my love and you've got the fruit of my life. And then in chapters 8, 1 through 3, the Shulamite tells him what she wished. 
She wished first that she could shout her love for him publicly without being despised. Look at verse one. Oh, that you were like my brother who nursed at my mother's breast. If I should find you outside, I would kiss you and I would not be despised. Now, what does that mean? In that day, strict social conventions kept a bride and groom apart. It would have been improper for her to express her love for the shepherd openly like she really wanted to. Uh, but if it was her brother, she could have done so. And I don't get it. I don't want my sister kissing me. I don't. And I don't want to kiss my sister. Seriously. But here's what she's saying. If it was my brother in public, I could kiss him and get away with it because he's my brother. But because of the traditions of the times, she could not openly show affection to the shepherd and the restraints are bothering her, frustrating her. And isn't that true of you and me as well? How often we would blurt out in public our love for the Lord, but the world would not understand it. Can you imagine going into Chili's tonight and right there at a table in the midst of all those people drinking at the bar and watching sports on TV, suddenly you just let it go and said, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. And just started worshiping right there in front of God and everybody. Wouldn't they look at you like, where are the men in white suits? What is wrong with you? What are you doing? But if it was a sports team that was winning, if it was a sports team, you've been in Chili's when the bar goes crazy because they're watching some sports team and somebody crosses the goal line and there is a touchdown and they all make complete idiots of themselves and nobody cares, but you can't do that when then it's about Jesus. Try it in an elevator sometime. Watch how fast they push buttons they don't even want to go to. seriously. Oh, I love you, Lord. Just get into an elevator. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, they're going to be clawing the walls, pushing. That's what she's saying. I can't openly express my love for him. It's just a, such a true picture. Isn't it strange? Our society has no problem with the loudest expressions of fanaticism if it relates to sports, as we just said. You can yell, shout, cheer, wave your arms, dance a jig, put cheese on your head, paint yourself green. Wear Tony Romo shirts. Anybody still wearing one of those? I just, okay. But not so when it comes to the Lord. You can wear Romo in great big letters, but wear Jesus. Then too, she wanted to share her love for him privately without being disgraced. She wished they were married. Eight verse two, I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother. She who used to instruct me. I would cause you to drink of spiced wine, the juice of my pomegranate. Again, in that day, to take a man home or even so much as to her mother's house would have been an unthinkable liberty. That's just the way it was back then. And then to give him spiced wine would have been out of the question. The Shulamite is wishing that the marriage day would hasten so that society wouldn't any longer be able to intrude between her and him. Now, I'm going to make a little prediction as the coming of the Lord draws near, the real church, the blood-bought, true, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing, Christ-loving church is going to begin to experience these kinds of feelings. I am so tired of the restraints of this world. Now, I'm not talking about suicidal thoughts. That's another thing. It's totally different when you love the Lord so much, you want to go home. 
I'm talking about we're going to begin to experience these kinds of feelings. You know, this world has lost all of its luster. It is a dark, dark place that rejects my shepherd. And as the time draws near, there is going to begin to rise up in God's church these emotions. Oh, Lord, I wish you would come. I want to be with you. I'm tired of the restraints, tired of the persecution, tired of all of the obstacles between me and you because of this world. Lord, I want to be with you. Furthermore, she wished that she could show her love for him passionately without being defiled. In other words, she wanted him sexually, but she did not want to fornicate. Can I just put it bluntly? That's what she's saying. Verse three, his left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. What the Shulamite wanted was totally proper within the bonds of marriage. She was looking beyond the moment to the future when all restraints would be removed forever. Married. There's a place of love for the Lord Jesus Christ where these very emotions are experienced. Has our longing for the Lord, let me ask you, has our longing for the Lord at times, can you remember a time when it has simply welled up in almost inexpressible longing and desire for him? Do you ever have a moment where you say, Lord, I wish you were here in person, or I wish I was there where there was no more restraints, no more walls, no more obstacles? Have we ever felt like trampling on every social restraint and shouting aloud, let's do this together. We're in church. We can do it. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus, I love you. Woo. <laughs> Man, we ought to go to Chili's, all of us, right now. <laughs> and just let it go. Watch them all run out. Take over the restaurant. But didn't that feel great? Yeah. Has the longing for the consummation of all things in glory at times become overwhelming? Have you ever experienced that? Do you know that Paul the Apostle expressed just such a feeling in a letter to the Philippian church? Uh, he was torn between two things. I'm going to either go home and be with the Lord or I'm going to stay with you. Now, here's the verse. He says, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this is going to mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Jesus, which is better by far. Do you hear his heart? Just pause a minute. The great apostle's heart. He loved Jesus more than anything in the world. He said, you guys need me here. You Philippians need me here because I'm helping establish you in the faith. But, oh, I got to let you know, my heart would so much rather go home I want to be with my shepherd. Then he says, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Now notice the unselfishness of this man. He says, I want to go be with Jesus. But because you need me, I'm going to put it on hold and I'm going to serve you. Just a little aside there that he was an unselfish man. Even though I want something, you need me so I'll take care of you. And at the close of John's revelation, at the very end of the last chapter, we hear the cry of the bride of Christ. Can we read this together? The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, 
come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. So what is the cry of the bride of Christ? Come, Lord Jesus. Just like that Shulamite. As the Shulamite went on and on with her words of love for the shepherds, Solomon must have been standing in the shadows eating his heart out. So what does he do? Having failed to woo her himself, he sends the court women to try once more to incite desire in her for him. He tries one more time, but he doesn't do it. He sends the worldly women to try to seduce her away. And the Shulamite turns and she repudiates them and all that they stood for fully, finally, and forever. She says in verse 4, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Once again, for the very, for the third time in this book, she says, don't awaken in me illicit desire. I resist illicit desire. The court women are told to leave her alone and stop seeking to divert her love for the shepherd to Solomon. And again, I'm reminded we're up against a very persistent tempter. Church, you got to know, the devil wanted to take her love away from the shepherd and transfer it to him. That same tempter wants to take your love for the great shepherd and transfer it to the world. The things of this world, lust of eyes, lust of flesh, pride of life. That's the design of the temper. When you love Jesus, we've got to know we get a bullseye painted on us. I have a card that I send to pastors. It's two deer standing in the woods. One of them looks normal. The other one looks normal, except he's got a big bullseye on his chest. And the other deer says, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. (laughs) Because he's targeted. Can I tell you, listen, we're not playing a game. We're in a spiritual warfare. And the tempter, when the tempter hears us say what we just did, I love you, Jesus, he puts a bullseye. And his intent is to take the love you have for him and sully it and scandalize it and dilute it and transfer it to love for other things. And he never gives up. He never takes a vacation. He might suddenly assume a very low profile and you may be going along like, wow, this is great. I must have defeated him finally because I haven't been attacked in so long. Life is good. Hey, don't kid yourself. He's sizing you up, walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Always be wise and discerning of the devil's attempts to get at you. His agents, like the court women, are always working for him. Any expression of love on our part about our great shepherd will most certainly be followed by a fresh attempt by the tempter to bring about a fall. Do you know that? But I got good news for you. If you walk with the Lord Jesus and keep your love for him. I told our staff the other day, I said, staff, we're playing hardball now. And we're all in the staff room. We're all standing up and we pray after every staff meeting. I said, we're playing hardball. We're ministering to 2,000 plus people a week. And 
Not only that, but we're going out by radio to thousands of people every single day. We're playing hardball. And I said, here's what you can never, ever, ever give up. The day you let your devotional life fall to the wayside and you quit getting with God daily and getting into that word and getting into prayer and giving God your cares and your problems and getting full of his spirit before you walk out the door, the day you let that go, it's only a matter of time before either something blindsides you and you cave because all the while you have not been involved in your devotional life, the inside of you has been weakening, or you will fall into sin. We are only as strong as our last time with God. So I said, staff, let's have an understanding. We get with God every day. We get with God first. I told them, I get with God. This is no pat on the back. I do it because I understand what I'm up against. I get with God in the morning before I eat. Not before I have coffee, but before I eat. I get my coffee. I go out on the patio. I take my Bible, and I dig into that word, and I let it feed my soul, and I feed on that manna. I gather that manna every single morning. It is the highlight of my day. More days than not, I cannot wait to get out there and start reading about how God moved and all the promises and feeding on that manna. Then I go eat. And you're no different from me, just because I'm a preacher. This Shulamite, all through these temptations, has kept her heart on him. And that's how she won the battle. So you can do without a lot of things, folks, but you can't do without your daily time with God. That's how you abide in the vine. He that abides in me and my word abides in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's it for this time, and I want to take a moment to thank all of our Life Talk listeners and supporters for your prayers and financial assistance. You know, we receive so many encouraging emails and text messages and phone calls, and they really make our day. One person writes, Just listen to you for the first time. The message couldn't have come at a better time for me. May God continue to bless you and thank you for all you do. Looking forward to listening to your next teaching. Well, thank you so much for writing that gracious note. And you know, Life Talk is all about ministering God's Word to as many people as we can possibly reach. And our reach is growing all the time. We're now broadcasting on approximately 530 radio stations in every state of the Union, as well as the Philippines. And our Internet broadcast has received responses from Russia, England, and other parts of the world. So thank you to all of our Life Talk listeners and supporters Together, we're blessing tens of thousands of people each and every day. Now, don't go anywhere. Our announcer has some exciting offers for you. And join me again next time for another exciting message from our life-changing series, The One That Got Away. Until then, I pray God's richest blessings be yours. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. Looking.
TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Hour of testing continued is the ninth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.